For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Main State of Mind podcast. I'm your host, Justin Soderberg, here live in Maine. I love it. Thank you so much for embracing the new, the new name and a new uh, podcast theme in a sense. Uh, I'm excited for the future and I'm excited for everything that's coming. Today, we welcome Maine State Senator Joe Baldacci to the program. Uh, Senator Baldacci was able to talk about what he's trying to accomplish uh, for Maine and for the greater Bangor area when he's in Augusta voting on legislation and bringing up bills. Uh, and this includes a bunch of different things based around COVID and the pandemic, but also a passenger rail that he's hoping to get a, a study done so that we can get a passenger rail that brings you from Bangor to Brunswick to Portland to even Boston to make things in transportation in Maine better, faster, and easier. Uh, so hopefully that gets done. And hopefully he gets that done. Um, just to remind everybody, be sure to follow us on Instagram at the main state of mind. We're also on Facebook, the main state of mind, uh, as well as subscribe on Apple and Spotify. And if you want to on our YouTube channel, um, leave reviews, like the th stuff, uh, the reviews help us bump up in the podcasting lists uh, and do great things for, for me in the podcast. So please, please, if you can, and you're listening on Apple, pop over there, give it five stars, give it a little bit of words review on what you like about the podcast, what you'd like to see happen and so on. This is episode 37 of the podcast, The Main State of Mind with Senator Joseph Baldacci. Um, enjoy guys, thank you. How's it going, Joe? Very good. How are you doing, Justin? Thanks for I'm having doing, me on. Uh, th thanks for coming on. I'm doing well I mean, and trying to stay safe. Yeah. Uh, working from home most of the time right now. And yeah, you know how it is, but uh, you know, you know how it is. Now, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, congratulations on your wedding and your, are you expecting? Yes, we are expecting. We're having a baby boy this summer. Thank you very much. We're really happy to, uh, yeah. That's to our COVID fun. baby because we had nothing better to do during COVID, right? Now. <laughs> it's it's That's yeah good. we're really 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 excited for that and uh um she's my wife taylor is healthy and the baby's healthy and so oh, we're that's great very happy. thank you very, very much yeah, as a father great. yourself i appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> i saw i actually saw you on um saturday morning we got uh actually afternoon i should say pizza at the new bangor sandwich shop oh yeah downtown bangor and you were leaving your office and you oh, crossed yeah. the crosswalk on State Street. And I was yeah. like, oh, oh, no, he's too far away. <laughs> Thanks for not running me over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a good place to go for pizza. I, I was very impressed, honestly. Yeah. I, it's nice to have something different for pizza. Right. I, I think that a lot of the pizza in Bangor is great. It's just yeah. a very similar style. And I think having yeah. that Detroit style uh, pizza is really good. So Yeah, it was, it was good. So. But, yeah, so I'm uh, excited to be on. Uh, obviously, things are busy mm -hmm. uh, with the legislature. Um, trying to do meetings by Zoom is, you know, is challenging and different for people. But I think we're getting it done. 
So I'm on two different committees. I'm on Health and Human Services, which has oversight over the Department of Health and Human Services, which is a lot, a lot of different moving parts there. And I'm chairing the state and local government committee, which deals uh, with jurisdiction over local and county government administration, as well as the uh, State Department of Financial Affairs, which administrative services, which handles, it's like the accountant for the state of Maine. So we just had a meeting with the commissioner, Figueroa about state finances. And also we had a public hearing last week um, regarding a bill from representative Rachel Talbot Ross from Portland, uh, seeking to require racial impact statements on any new proposed legislation Obviously, you know, there's a history of racial inequity in the state and the systemic racism pretty much, you know, everywhere, you know, in our society. But the idea of this is that people can evaluate laws and to make sure that disparities are reduced or minimized or dealt with. You know, I think we all know that we have a long ways to go in terms of education and awareness and and attitudes and, you know, the COVID crisis is a particular point because uh, the racial disparity in terms of people affected in the state of Maine and elsewhere is disproportionately non-white population. So I think it's important that we, that we uh, understand all aspects of legislation, not just how it's gonna affect us, but how it's gonna affect everyone else in the state. So those are some of the things. We're also working on the supplemental budget, which the governor has presented. And one of the things that I worked on, voted on last week was to add money to the pay of direct uh, care providers. There's over 10,000 what are called DSPs, or direct service professionals that help care for elderly, disabled um, people um, in the state of Maine, and they have, they work at, at or around minimum wage. And obviously, there's a labor shortage, so we have at least passed in health and human services. We have to see where it goes with the rest of the legislature, but to provide a 25% incre uh, rate increase for their pay to hopefully um, not lose more workers and to attract some additional workers, but. It's a lot of lot of things going on because of the pandemic and trying to trying to prevent things from getting worse, basically, for a lot of people. It's it's it is interesting because I, I work from home now, so I have a TV above my desk that I've been watching a lot more news, uh, and it's one of those things that I felt like until I hit my thirties that I didn't pay attention to what was going around in the world around me more than the past year, basically. I mean, thirty four now, but like. The, the 2020 you know pandemic has made me think about uh, everything and watching everything on the news including the end of our former president's uh, tenure and then into biden's tenure as president um i've learned so much more and one of those things was the racial um imbalance i should say on you know vaccines and the way it's affected the COVID crisis and so on but i didn't really even it didn't even like come to my my forefront until i started 
actually researching it. So it's nice to see people doing things to try to fix this. And, and you're doing what you can, obviously, with legislation. Um, but also, we need to just change our attitudes and our minds on the whole thing, too. I mean, right. I, I think it, it makes for a better future for everybody when we have a, a more open and tolerant society. I think that uh, actually, even from just an economic standpoint, um, attracting people here requires us to be open and tolerant of other cultures and other ways of doing things, particularly if we want to grow. We've had very stagnant populations, so we should be all over the idea of welcoming people and being tolerant and, and opening ourselves up to different cultures. I and think, I think with the pandemic, everything that's happened, you know, from riots and to all that stuff, I think people it reinvigorated people that know that we're not uh, past racism, that racism isn't something part of our past, but it's actually something that's currently happening. Um, and I think a lot of that came to light this year or for more broadly and more obvious to people that it is an issue in this country. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But in terms of, of main issues, I mean, we have our own economy. We got to keep keep floating and, and improving, and hopefully, the Congress will pass um, an updated coronavirus relief bill, uh, which would help state governments stabilize finances. So one of the things we try to avoid is cutting essential services like schools, police, fire, transportation. Um, and that's why it's important to have some help from DC in order to stabilize the state's finances that way. Obviously, healthcare um, through the Department of Human Services, there's over, there's almost 400,000 people in Maine that are covered by Maine Care, um, which without it, there would be a huge hole in the safety net. And it's an important healthcare provider to so many. And that program, fortunately, even though it was expanded recently in 2019, um, the expansion was 90% paid for by the federal government so that actually we are in a better financial, we are, the, the budget for main care has not really significantly increased, even though the number of people covered has increased. So that's a good thing, but uh, you know, in terms of the overall picture, we need to make sure that we're getting able to provide municipalities and school districts with sufficient monies to operate and without laying off people would be key. The um, the money thing, I mean, we obviously I deal with it on a daily basis at Orono Brewing Company now and uh, we're shut down to just to go uh, and delivery beer Thursday, Friday, Saturday, our kitchens closed currently and all that. We just, we opted to do it as a company for the safety of our employees and hopefully the guests that would come visit us. Um, yeah. But it's, it's, it's back when I was just a normal employee at, at a, a different companies that I've worked for underneath a bunch of ownership. It's a lot different than being someone in charge of something and worrying about people's well-being um, during this pandemic. So it's nice to see that there's at least being ideas talked about helping these people. Uh, I just hope we can get something done. Uh, over the next few weeks and months to get that this can, can continue and that our economy can grow in the state of Maine uh, and that I can get my employees back to work and have them feel safe. So it's nice right. to know that you're at least on the forefront fighting for this. <laughs> well, how, how are things at Oral Brewing Company? I miss you guys uh, 
downtown. That was a good spot. But it, uh, it will come back. It's not. It's not going anywhere. It's just right now. You know it is. It's too small. I. I you know. Until we have some more. Um, you know. You can really socially distance there. Yeah, and so we had <laughs> talked about it. We back in um, Novemberish. We had talked about, okay, what about January and we'll figure it out and do like, you know, max of five people kind of just yeah. really crazy stuff. And then once we heard, we figured out with the holidays and people not social distancing at family gatherings, we opted to just say, let's just wait uh, and we'll wait for warmer weather. Cause we do have, as you know, we have expanded sidewalk there now. Um, yeah. So we can apply for some outdoor seating too. So we'll have that space outdoors uh, for people to feel comfortable as well. But you know, it, it is what it is. And luckily people are still drinking our beer across the state and now in multiple states. So we have that ability to send beer out the back door per se um, yeah. to the whole state of Maine and, and to Massachusetts and to uh, Rhode Island, right. Florida, New York. Um, so it's helped, it's, it's helped keeping us afloat for sure. Yeah. Uh, we just miss, I mean, to, you know, this week is my fourth anniversary at Orno Brewing Company. And I had mentioned online, I just miss talking to people. I miss yeah. you popping in and saying hi and, and you know, seeing you meet with someone over there at a table yeah. or something. Um, those are the things I miss. I don't mean right. financially we'll, we'll be okay. I just miss the, the communication and the right. uh, networking that people used to do at our brewing company. So. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I agree. I miss that in a lot of ways, a lot of ways. I think we'll really, rec we'll know we've recovered when we start having waterfront concerts again. <laughs> And uh, people can go to those. I'm looking forward to that. I don't know what, I don't, I don't think it's going to be this summer, but it would hopefully as soon as possible. There's no question about it. Just so you know, also on the vaccines, um, the briefing, the information that we get is that Maine is up to 21,000 vaccines per week. Hopefully we're trying to push it up to in the 30,000s, but at that rate, it's still going to take about eight months to vaccinate everybody that needs to be vaccinated. So it's going to be through most of this year. I mean, maybe by the fall, we'll have, you know, what they say is herd immunity, but it's going to go at about 20 to 30,000 vaccines a week, which is still significant. But, you know, it's just going to take time. The Cross Insurance Center location is one of the successful mass vaccination sites in Maine. I can tell you from having talked to other state senators that there that we are far ahead of the curve in terms of a site like that in Bangor versus other locations around the state are not up and running. Places like York County do not have, which is a county that's actually has more people than Prosser County, does not have a single mass vaccination site yet. Yeah, there are other places that are really behind us. So we're fortunate, you know, the Cross Insurance Center um, has been good in a lot of ways and uh, unexpectedly it's been a, a great tool for this pandemic to, to have people, we could still do the voting there because of the size of the place and everything. So we've been fortunate in some ways in Bangor. Let's just think back to when the uh, you know renovation happened at the Cross Insurance Arena a number of years ago. Anybody who was against it, hopefully they can like look back and go, well, now there's a bunch of great things that have happened there if you were against it in the first place because we've been able to have voting there and vaccinations there and so on, not to mention the normal life uh, that we get from it with concerts and other events that happened at the place too. But it's yeah. nice to see it actually being used. It's not just a big empty building right now, which is nice. 
Yeah. No, I, and obviously I'll be looking forward to seeing concerts again in that place like everyone else. Um, it's a great facility for those things for, you know, north of Boston is probably one of the better facilities, um, including better than some of the current facilities they have in Portland mm -hmm. um, in terms of the layout and everything. You know, we had Elton John there not, you know, not too long ago. We've had a lot of great concerts there. So I'm looking forward to that happening again. It surprises me every time I go in there because I, I am good friends with the people who run the Bangor Comic-Con. And so seeing their event happen in one of the rooms. And then I also used to be a sports writer in Massachusetts. And when I was down there, I covered the UFC. And so I watched the UFC come to Bangor and I covered uh -huh. that event too. And to see like we had, you know, catering in one of the rooms and we had yeah. the media in another and then you had yeah. this event in the big room and you forget that it's all in the same location like right. it's all in one place so it's very uh the utilization of the building is great <laughs> <laughs> yeah no and we uh so you you uh covered that was it the cage match the usc yeah, yeah. that was a good event it was, was fun it was nice to see people match. there yeah it was, it was different the smallest event they've ever put on because it's it's they, it's not what we don't normally have that kind of events in small places like Bangor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We uh, the guy that's ahead of us from the Bangor area, right, mm -hmm. Dana? Yeah, yeah. No, that was a good event. There's a lot of great events that ha had been there, and hopefully will be there again. You know, the whole thing is once we get beyond this pandemic, is to see hopefully you know economic resurgence but not just with the waterfront concerts but that cross insurance center of the downtown you know a lot of places are hurting now because it's hard to do business mm -hmm. so we just have to try to help people as much as we can till we get to that point where things can go back to some level of normality but i really see uh, bangor surging again economically once we can get beyond the virus but it's that will take at least another six to eight months i think yeah and I, I think i got hopefully there's not a super spreader event this weekend with the super bowl but hopefully that's a positive sign that bigger events can be something on the near future uh to see crowds of people together i think it, it kind of was uneasy feeling watching it because i'm just not used to big crowds yet um <laughs> but i hope that it's a sign in the positive direction that we can have some big crowds if we do it right and maybe the the iteration of the next concert that happens at waterfront or, or, or the cross insurance arena is a little bit smaller um but at least it's something and that's what i'm looking forward to for sure <laughs> yeah that would be that's a good idea and that's a good yeah maybe that can happen yeah no the super bowl was good i mean the only sad part is that it wasn't new england but mm -hmm. It was it felt like a little bit with Brady and Gronkowski and it was just incredible. So we were able to have the Lombardi trophy a couple of years ago at the Cross Insurance Center. I don't know when that's gonna be coming back to Bangor anytime soon, but <laughs> that would also be another thing that would be Patriots great. have to win the Super Bowl for it to be worth yeah. it to come to Bangor. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly right. I mean, We've been spoiled as New England sports fans for a number of years, so yeah. it's nice to see Tom at least solidify himself as the greatest quarterback of all time or greatest yeah. player of all time uh, and win a championship. But yes, it would have been nice to see New England in that Super Bowl <laughs> instead of Tampa Bay. <laughs> but no, but it's good. So um, in terms of uh, trying to stay on top of constituent questions, I do get a lot of questions about different bills. Mm -hmm. um, 
and I try to respond as quickly as I can. One of the things that was proliferating a, a week or two weeks ago was about the taxation issue on the PPP loans, which I immediately came out against because I think it, it's you know opposite of what was intended with the money, which was to help businesses get through a hard patch. And many businesses, you know, were able to be stay in business because of the money. And I just don't see the point of adding to the burden. So I'm hopeful that the governor's office is going to uh, put forward some sort of more, uh, some sort of a compromise on that issue um, that would not tax the first X amount of money, basically exempting, you know, 80 to 90% of the businesses. And if they want, and if they want to have something, you know, be more focused on the top five or ten percent, uh, you know, that may have made out, you know, well, better than most, and can afford it. But I think at least eighty to ninety percent of the small businesses need to be exempted from any type of taxation. I'm hopeful. Uh, um, cautiously optimistic the governor's office is going to see it that way eventually soon but we have further discussions that are going to happen on that it's funny to say do well i think that the standard for most of us as businesses is if we at least did what we did last year right. or a little similar if we can stay afloat then you do that's a well that's a well the version of 2020 yeah. for sure yeah. And when I say, well, I'm talking about businesses that probably got over a million dollars. Yes. PPP money. So the idea would be to exempt the first. The question is how much we're going to exempt. Mm -hmm. I'm just uh, uh, so whether it's going to be the first hundred thousand or the first half a million. But after that point, which is still a, a reduction for even people got a million, they're able to deduct the first half million. So it's going to be something around in that area that is likely gonna happen. So I'm hopeful the governor will put that out, you know, sometime in February so people can file their tax returns on March or April when they usually do. So that is an important issue for bank, for all of Maine, but you know, in Bangor we have a lot of uh, retail, large, you know, commercial enterprises that are headquartered here, that have jobs here. So as soon as that came out, I knew I felt that was a red flag for uh, that needed to be dealt with, regardless of party. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that you know impacts my district, you know, pretty heavily. So that was the most important thing, and that's an issue that we're still working on to try to convince the governor's office to to uh, reach a compromise on the whole thing. That's good. I mean, I, the, the idea that taxing, give you some money, but we're going to take some of it back doesn't really make a lot of sense in my opinion. Right. When businesses are continuing to lose money. Yes. You know, even beyond the period that they agreed to keep people on. So it just, it was counterproductive. Um, but if we can exempt, like I said, 80 to 90% of the businesses involved, I'll be fairly happy about that. That's excellent. I mean, so I mean, speaking back on Bangor, um, is there anything specifically otherwise in Bangor that people should be looking forward to or, or, or looking at um, as we get out of this pandemic that you'd like to see? Uh, well, I'm working on passing a, a, a main DOT study for 
rail. Um, we're going to have a number of passenger rail bills. There are going to be two passenger rail bills that focus on Portland and Lewiston. Uh, Portland and Lewiston are talking about a 50, 50 or $60 million commuter rail proposal bond issue. And then there's going to be my proposal and another proposal to to expand the uh, or improve or elevate the issue of passenger rail in the state's decision making. Because right now the DOT is not big fans of passenger rail. They haven't made it a priority. So we're trying to make this a statewide priority. And I've told the I've said to the legislators from Portland and Lewiston that you know we love to support your bills, but you need to support our bills too, and that rail needs to be a statewide thing, not just a regional thing if it's really going to help out the state. And uh, I've gotten seven co-sponsors. I've gotten Ben Chipman, who's a senator from Portland, who's on the Transportation Committee. So I have four members of the Transportation Committee that have told me or co-sponsored the bill. I'll need about four more to pass the bill and transportation. But I think I'm in a, a good position, hopefully. So I, it's been rejected twice by the legislature historically. I wasn't in the legislature when it was considered before, but once in 2017, once in 2001. But I think hopefully we can make the case that it's time to at least do this study, which is a first step to, to justify federal and state monies uh, to build it, but it's a necessary first step. So I'm looking forward, hopefully, to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. In the legislature, it's already been referred to transportation, and I'm going to be encouraging people to at least write their legislators by email uh, to let them know um, how they feel about it. It'd be really great to have passenger rail back in Bangor. Um, it, it, Bangor is a natural hub for Eastern in northern Maine. So I just see it providing a lot of great opportunities and connections. So is the hope that I'd be able to get on a train in Bangor somewhere and just end up in Portland? Is that the idea? And then well, you could get on a train in Bangor, go to Boston. Okay. So it would be connecting you from here to Brunswick and then to Portland and then to Boston. Which is we actually Yeah. I mean, we, we know as we talked about cross insurance arena or a center, <clears throat> there's a cross insurance arena as well in Portland. Yeah. And then there's other events that happen in Portland. Uh, as I'm talking to Chris Rudolph from Waterfront Concerts uh, yeah. this past summer and talking about the size of events that Bangor can get with Waterfront Concerts, there's also some events that just have to happen in Portland, uh, whether yeah. it's uh, you know demographics of how who comes to the, the shows or not. It So there's a lot of times where there's back and forth on that if we want people to come to an event in Bangor from yeah. Portland, it would be nice to be able to pop on a train and get up here or the right. opposite to go to an event or even to go to Boston, go to a Celtics game or whatever it may be. Right. It go to the Red makes Sox. a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you could jump on a train and go to a Red Sox game, that would be great. Um, and also I do think it will make it easier for people from Portland to come up here for events. Mm -hmm. um, if they can take the train for some reason, you know, we track, you know, the, I'm not sure the I-95, Sometimes it's, uh, we can travel south. Sometimes those people in Portland have a hard time dri driving north. But if we have a nice, efficient rail system, it would might give them some encouragement to come up here. 
it's not just people from Portland. My parents live in Connecticut and <laughs> they have a little trouble coming north, period. So it's a little a little harder for everybody to come north. If they may, yeah. maybe if they get to drive up as far as southern Maine, get on a train, take the rest of the way on the train, right. maybe they'd be interested in coming up a little right. bit more often. Or if they could catch the train in Boston, yeah. Come straight to Bangor, that would be key. There's no reason we shouldn't have it. I mean, you know, um, the Bangor metropolitan area is, is the second largest in the states. It's large, Lewiston's metropolitan area. And I use that in quotes because I know, you know, it's still not a huge area, but it's a little over 100,000 Lewiston. It's 155,000 in the greater Bangor region. So, I mean, we should have the population to support it, you know, but, uh, and it's also important, you know, to give people extra connect, extra ways to get connected and stay connected. So that would be helpful. Is it harder to do things like this? I mean, you mentioned Zoom uh, earlier and talking about doing virtual meetings. Do you feel like it's harder to get this stuff moving because uh, you can't meet in person or is it just, you know, you just have to deal with it? Yeah, I mean, uh, it takes away from the personal contact that you might have with legislators, you know, to be able to talk to them, you know, individually, but, you know, person to person mm -hmm. or in small groups, but it's just something you got to deal with. Um, you know, we don't have much of a choice right now. We may go down to Augusta next month uh, to uh, work on the supplemental budget and to confirm some people for different nominations, but, but, um, but, and also I started talking to some of these legislators back in November and December after I got elected, because I didn't know where, you know, this was pretty much a, a, a prime issue for me. And I kind of just let them know that and I've let leadership know that. So hopefully if I keep banging the drums, <laughs> they will, they will respond, so. It, and it's more uh, the funny thing too. I realized with doing Zoom things, it's more the only thing you really have to worry about is time. Uh, whereas, like, and it's like if you have to, hey, I want to have an hour meeting with you, you just have to have the hour aside for right. yourself. Whereas, if you had to trans uh, transport yourself somewhere to and fro, right. all the transportation time is equated in that. So right. it almost should be easier to get things done via Zoom right. because no, I, other I, than the personal connection, uh, obviously. Right. Right. No, I think I think that they, as a legislature, we should learn how to incorporate some of the stuff in terms of permanently uh, making things more efficient. I mean, there's no question that we can do, make a more efficient use of time by doing Zoom instead of requiring everybody to have to be in Augusta on a certain day. No, I, and I totally felt like that. I, I sat on the the events committee for the Maine Brewers Guild uh, for a number of years, and it, it's dunk because most of the breweries in the state of Maine are in Portland and so if you had a meeting we had to meet in Portland and every once in a while we'd get one in Augusta and then I was one of the few people on the committee who worked a front-facing position so I was in the tasting room and restaurant most of the time so they're like let's have a meeting four o'clock on a Friday and I'm like that's when my shift starts I can't do that and so with the zoom thing it's like I, I ended up stepping away because I couldn't make any of the meetings and so yeah. zoom and virtual meeting thing I feel like if we could start doing more like that that I'd, I'd have jump on committees again yeah. to make sure I can get some stuff done um, but it was just so hard with me but maybe if I get a passenger rail I could <laughs> I could jump on the train and go down <laughs> no but you're right you're right it definitely has uh, uses for 
increasing participation, right? And kind of democratizing situations so that not everybody has to be in Portland. Yeah, no, absolutely. And yeah. I think that's an advantage, you know, in terms of these, in terms of legislative public hearings, somebody from Arusta County can participate just as easily as somebody that lives right in Augusta through this technology. And so in that's the future, why I, you could make things that are like, you have to still be in person for X percentage of meetings or something along those lines. Yeah, um, yeah. We still have to be in person when the whole legislature is going to vote on something. And we still have to be in person when we vote on a confirmation. But the committee work can be done by Zoom. Which is what we do a lot of things nowadays. And I feel right. like it's so funny because we could have been doing this for years because video conferencing has been a thing for many, many, many years. But the pandemic pushed us into that nowadays and realized that there's a lot of people who can work remotely. And there's a lot of people who can do meetings remotely and all that stuff. So it's really interesting to do this. We could do a recording like this remotely. Um, but it's just interesting to see what will happen after this too. I think a lot of things will have to go back to in-person, um, but there are some things that definitely should be able to be done like this. <laughs> Right, exactly. No, I agree. Um, so I wanted to ask a question really quickly too about running for office during a pandemic. How was that? Like, was that an interesting, uh, you know, thing? Because I know you did your, your your spaghetti suppers and all these different things. Um, this wasn't what you planned, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it was a, a particularly I had a primary. So and the primary got extended five weeks because of the pandemic, which kind of changed my planning quite a bit. It was like doing an extra couple miles on a, you know, on a <laughs> run that you didn't plan on doing. But it worked out. Um, it was a challenge. I did a lot of phone calling. Instead of knocking on doors, I did a fair amount of mailing. Um, we really did, uh, phone canvassed everybody we could during the primary. Um, because it's really the only way to reach out. And, you know, I, I developed, you know, a good following among social media. You know, during a pandemic, people are going to get their information online or from social media or the rest of it. The old ways of campaigning, uh, particularly during a pandemic, aren't, you know, aren't going to work. Um, you know, newspaper ads are nice, but people are going to go on social media or stuff like that for the, a lot of their information or advertising. So it was a campaign that was based on phone calls, social media. You know, we had a lot of signs out and some mailings. The thing, like I said, it, extending the primary of five weeks just, you know, kind of added to the um the work <laughs> that i that i did um and so during the general election it was a little bit different because there was a presidential election going to happen in november so i didn't have to focus my efforts so much on turnout because people were going to turn out anyway but we did a lot of the same the same stuff but yeah definitely during the primary it, it was totally different <laughs> and you know you just had to roll with the punches pretty much i mean thinking back on it too i mean you were a city council member for what 12 12 years yeah uh did you is this something you wanted to do for a while was was you know me main state senator or was this just something that after you like doing the city council thing that you decided this is the next direction for you 
Well, yeah, I think I, uh, the last, my last term on city council, I decided I wanted to do this because Senator Gratwick was going to be term limited. So there'd be an opening. Um, plus I thought I had learned a lot on the city council for on local issues that would help me in Augusta, which really do help me in Augusta in terms of knowing what's important for Bangor. Um, you know, and I saw how much, you know, we rely on the state for different things, including funding that I felt this was a natural progression. Did it make it easier that your kids are grown up? Like if your kids were younger, is something that you wouldn't have anyway, yeah, taken too much time to do? Yeah, it made it a lot easier that they were in college. And even though they came back from college and that one of them's going back to college this week. So that'll be interesting. And the other one will be staying with us for a little while longer. Yeah, no, the, the fact that they're older makes it a lot easier. You know, when you're a dad and you're going to find this out, you know, when the kids are, you know, three, five or seven or whatever, you know, you're going to be busy. You're going to be a busy, busy person. So going back and forth to Augusta would not have been, would not have been popular in my household as a choice. And, and that's something I mentioned when I had, I had Ben Sprague on. <laughs> I had Ben Sprague on this summer and we talked about, uh, or this fall, I should say, we talked about him and his yeah. term obviously was yeah. up in the Bangor City Council. And I said, well, what's next for you? And he said, you know, he's taking a break now and maybe one day, but he has young kids. So that's the other part about it. Exactly the same thing I mentioned to you right. uh, about the, the, being a father is it, it would take a lot of his time. And maybe this time it's just for him to focus on uh, letting yeah. him da his dad be the city council member for now and yeah. support his dad and then just, you know, be a father and, and live yeah. his life separately. But he says, don't rule it out that he could go further in politics. But right now. Oh, yeah. I, I, ben is a great guy. And I served with him for five or six years, six years. And uh, he, he'll go far in politics. I think he's smart to do what he's doing. He's got a wonderful family. You know, when they're older, he'll have plenty of time. But he, he has a lot to contribute. And uh, I enjoyed working with him uh, for, you know, for six years on the city council and we're still friends and we still talk occasionally. He's got a lot to contribute, he, um, but he's a great dad and a great husband. And he, I love the pictures of his kids and they're very cute. It makes me happy because I feel like one of the things I mentioned off the top of this recording was that, that I, I didn't really get into politics or anything like this until I was in hit my 30s and kind of disappointed me. And one of the things that I want to at least instill in my ch children as they grow up is to at least pay attention to something to it because this is what their future is. And, and you can help impact that by either getting out there and voting or just at least uh, helping someone. Um, but having someone like Ben who is in his mid 30s uh, uh, to be a city council member um, and have that um, youthfulness, I should say, to him it helps me know that someone even younger later on can be this person and and, and help uh get people into politics or get into at least what's going on in the world at a younger age because i would have loved to have known really what more what was going on when i was 21 than i do now when i'm 34 because i feel like i'm behind i feel like there's a lot of missed there's a lot of things i could have done to help impact uh, elections or you know just things in general so i hope more younger people get into things like city council and smaller uh, city offices and things like that because i hope it can help the future of our, our country and our state but don't feel like you you've missed it i i think that the fact that you're involved now is mm -hmm. is all that's really required so you know and i think that's great that you have that feeling because i think it's important whatever age you are to 
you know, to be involved and make a difference. You know, when we're in our 20s, you know, we're focused on other things, okay? So that's natural. So, but I think, you know, you got to, you're becoming a dad and you're, you know, um, you know, you're not, you're not old yet. You're still very young. Yeah. <laughs> so you have a lot of time to contribute to and to make a difference. So, but yeah. it's the small things. It's like I didn't even like a small, just teaching the way the government works is something I'd like to be able to teach people and my son in, in, in general, because like it wasn't until, uh, you know, last year's impeachment hearings and this, how the even Senate and how the even House worked. <laughs> like, in my opinion, it was like something that I never gave a crap about to be blunt and now it's like oh that's how that works or that's who does what or that's how bills pass and i feel like that's something that i just i don't know if i just didn't pay attention at bangor high school or if it was just something that really wasn't driven home to me and it's just something i want to be able to teach my kids that this is how bills are made and this is how things are getting done in the government yeah no i think that's great yeah so um yeah no ben has a lot to contribute to and i i think that he's going to go far and out mm -hmm. Man, it is. I, I'm looking forward to what he does next and see that yeah. too. I'm also looking forward to what uh, Joe Baldacci can get done <laughs> being a main state senator. And yeah. it's, it's, it's cool to see that, uh, it, you know, how many years do you, how much is a main state senator? What's your term? Well, you're, it's voted on every two years. Two years, okay. And you're, you can serve up to four terms altogether. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And so this is a, my first term, obviously. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we had a lot of ways to go. I mean, there's a lot of important issues in Bangor on health and human services is works out as a committee because there's so many healthcare workers in Bangor. We have two major hospitals. We have a number, large part of the healthcare economy is here. So it works out for Bangor. Plus we have Dorothea Dix mm -hmm. Hospital, which is under that, all the child protective services. So there's a lot that impacts people in Bangor and Herman through the Department of Human Services. Um, I really appreciate you coming on. So is there something people can do to help um, you get things done uh, in, in Augusta here in Bangor, like on the ground, or is well, there somewhere they can, really they can direct them? The most them? important thing people can do is, is to call their legislators on different issues or send me letters to distribute to other legislators um, just to speak out in support of legislation um so i'll be available i'm having a facebook live town hall february 11th that's been advertised from five at 5 30 which is thursday but i'm going to have a town hall thing once a month and people can check in with me but or they can call my office at 945-3333 anytime so i want to be as accessible as i can but people can be very helpful by speaking up and talking to their legislators and if they live in Bangor to their house members as well. So um, there's a lot of different ways. Uh, hopefully we can mobilize public opinion for good things. I'm happy because, because uh, like I mentioned earlier with Ben Sprague being on city council, you being here, uh, and I've gotten to know you a little bit over the years being an Orono Brewing Company and I went to high school with Ben. Uh, but the idea that I moved back to Bangor in 2016, uh, really with um, no hopes of Bangor being what I wanted it to be, that Bangor was not for me. I hope moved back, long story short, with an ex and she wanted to move back. And I was just, I was loving Massachusetts, did not want to come back. Now I feel like the greater Bangor area, I'm never going to leave. This, I, well, I just, 
fell back in love with Bangor and I hope that people can love Bangor like I do because it's it's a great place to grow up. It's a great place to raise a family, in my opinion. There's a lot to do, a lot more to offer than the early 2000s yeah. uh, when I left. And so it's definitely a place to be. So I, I really hope people can help push things forward in this uh, city, in this area, for sure. Right. Absolutely. That's great. Oh, we're happy to have you back. <laughs> I'm happy to be back. And keep I couldn't, like I mentioned. Beer, keep brewing the beer and people will continue to welcome you. Yes, I'm not in a bad industry to have people like who I am Absolutely. because I can give them beer. So <laughs> exactly. if I show up at places and I don't have beer, they're always like, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, I like this. I wanted to keep it short and sweet on this thing with you and, and talk about some stuff. And I'd love to have you come back on too at sure, some point and talk the next yeah. you know, bill or project you're working on. Yeah. If I can, uh, if I see you when I'm late, walking downtown Bangor at some point, I'll wave and I'll try to get your attention this time. But uh, <laughs> so you can find uh, Joe, Joe Baldash. You have a Facebook page for your uh, main state senator as well. You can find that yep. online. Uh, people can find that too. And they can obviously email you. Uh, you have a legislation email yeah. um, that I'll put online too for people to find. So I really appreciate it, Joe. And uh, keep up the good work. And, uh, you know, I hope to see you again. Thank you. It's great. Talk to you later. Thank you. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.